0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino, it is Senior Bowl week and we've got Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl to break it all down. And then we answer some of your questions in a Q&A session. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosti will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, January 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best... We're recording this one in advance. Ted, are you worried? You worried something crazy's gonna happen for OU football and we miss it?
1: Uh yeah, I'm not too worried. We got a little bit of buffer zone in there. That's true.
0: Yeah. I'm going out of town. So if something if something drastic happened in the world of OU football, we'll get to it on Wednesday. I yeah. promise.
1: Yeah. It'll be all right. We'll have I'll you get- covered.
0: We'll have you covered, but we do. We've got an awesome interview with the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, because Ted, it is it is Senior Bowl week, my friend.
1: Yep. It's here. Uh, it all happens really fast. As soon as that national championship game's over with, feels like you uh, you have a week or so to catch your breath, and then you've got senior bowl stuff coming, and then spring football's gonna start before long, so it's already on us.
0: And you know what we have at the end of this episode? What's that? It's your favorite band. Q and a.
1: Yes. Yes. And and
0: just, just so people know. Yeah. I know the questions because I have to gather them and decide what, which ones we're going to answer. But I asked you Ted, Hey, do you want the questions beforehand or do you want to fly blind? And what did you say?
1: Let's fly this thing blind, man. If you want a real reaction instant, let's, Let's do this thing blind. It's the only way to get it, get the real, the real me, the real answers. I love that. All right, we've got a big week in
0: college football with it being Senior Bowl week. Practices are the big deal down there in Mobile, and of course, you still have the game. So let's talk to Jim Nagy, but first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And, of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java
1: Humoli. And celebrate with Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Works, Named after the iconic Schooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Works. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day.
0: And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma drinkware company founded by OU grads. They have fantastic products, and that's why they found tremendous success selling their products at Target, Walmart, Amazon, and SimpleModern.com. I use Simple Modern Cups. My wife uses Simple Modern Cups. My kids use Simple Modern Cups. Their products are for the entire family. Also, if you are a small business owner looking for some marketing swag for current and future customers, they make excellent customized mm. products check it all out at simplemodern.com today all right here is the executive director of the senior bowl jim nagy it is our pleasure to be joined by the executive director yeah executive director that's how you know he's important of the reese's senior bowl jim nagy is in the house nags what's going on man
2: Dude, stop it. Uh, no, it's good to be. It's good to You're be honest. wearing a we, suit.
0: You've changed, bro. You have know, I got
2: to get I got to get this off. Uh, no, man, it's good to be honest. It's good to be talking football. There's there's a lot of other uh, distractions and stuff going on right now that, that aren't football related. Um, anytime I can talk football, we're, we're back
1: at it. Now, is this your least favorite time of year or your most favorite? Because <laughs> I know it it's probably a lot of fun, but it equals a ton of work, right?
2: Yeah. And again, I'm so lucky guys. I mean, I have to say it. Our staff is unbelievable going back to what time you guys played. And we've got some support staff people. Dean Kleinschmidt, our trainer is going on his 53rd senior bowl. So like we just, we have some people that have been around this game for a long time that care a lot about it. So it makes my job easier, a lot easier. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll say this, like the the week, week leading in isn't a lot of fun um, because it's just a lot of operational stuff and odds and ends and, um the the but the the best time is player first day of practice like when you get all the guys here they're out there in their in their pads they got all the different helmets on and it's real football again and you're seeing like some of these guys i haven't seen play live like a lot you know our staff has we've got scouts all over the country but like some of these guys i'm seeing for the first time in person man so it's uh that's my favorite time this 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 part not so much we're just trying to get them here first
0: So there was a a big change this year for you and for your staff. Underclassmen are now eligible for the senior bowl. How much different did that make the evaluation process and how you guys handled the invitations for this year's game?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, that thing got announced at the beginning of November. And I think people thought that we, you know, would get caught with our pants down, if you will. But we, the, the nice thing was the league office gave us a heads up like in August that they were thinking about it. And so our scouts were all, all, out all fall looking at the juniors. They were on the board, like we were building the board with the junior class. So um, again, always, there's always some juniors that surprise you that, you know, you don't account for guys that, you know, just kind of pop pop up on you, but for the most part, I think we we did a good job scouting up those players. And um, in terms of putting the roster and the invite process together, yeah, it certainly changed. I mean, I'll have to go back after the season and once we get through the through the game, and you know, kind of scout self scout us and, and how do we did, we did we did we do a good job? Did we, you know, can we do it better? Um, but you know, you can't invite a full 120, 130 on your roster. Of seniors when there's good juniors out there let's face it i mean usually the guys that come out as juniors are our top three or four round players we're talking about like fringe top 100 players so um you know there was probably a couple spots that like we didn't get any junior wide receivers which is like shocking to me like we had four or five spots reserved for those guys we you know we had seven top 100 receivers last year in the game you know puka nakua tank dell rashi rice Jaden reed like all these guys that blew up this year in the NFL, I mean, we've done a really nice job. Our staff's done a great job scouting that position, and we couldn't get any of those juniors to buy into it. But we got like six safeties, and we've got a bunch of, you know, we got some like first and second round offensive linemen. So, you know, I think we're just going to have to go back next year and look at maybe I over allocated for juniors at certain spots, but uh, it just made for a, it just made for a different process. More, of, I'd say, more of a fluid process, right? Because once the juniors declare, and they either, you know, say they're going to play the game or not going to play. Well, then you circle back to the next group of seniors that you liked and, and and you bring those guys. So it it certainly changed the process.
1: Well, it's interesting. And maybe this is more of a draft question than it is senior bowl. But like, how much has the NIL situation uh, impacted a lot of those juniors that maybe were on the fence or guys that just straight up would have declared previously now that there's some money to be made, and maybe feel like they can have a better year. How many guys are you seeing it a lot more that guys are sticking around to play an extra year?
2: A lot. Like I can't even express to you how how different this year was. I mean, I'll say I'll say this. Um, so you know, we're we're we've got our board set. We said that first wave of invites in November. We start getting all these acceptances back, and uh, and I, I I hope I'm I don't want to sound a certain way, but I was got I got this feedback a lot from a, the agent community. Was like, you know, Jim, when he didn't, when this senior didn't get your invite, like that was so that kind of told him like where he stood and he probably should go back to school. So then you had guys like taking that money, you know, the schools were offering the NIL money. The kid didn't think he had a senior bowl invite. And again, I'm not trying to make it sound like our game's the end all be all by any means. I'm not trying to sound like that. Um, but guys were just like, you know what, I'm going to take 100 grand or 200 grand and go back and play another year of college. Now, I think where the players need help. Um, Is really navigating the dollars and cents of it because I was I was put in the position in the middle a few times this fall, which I've never been done where like coaches would ask me to meet with their players about trying to keep them in school for another year. And for me, it's like you guys know this like it doesn't make sense for every kid to go back and use that extra COVID year. Sometimes as evaluators, as you know, as a former scout, you would sit in draft rooms, and this isn't like a negative thing at all. You know, certain players have high ceilings, and they're just scratching it, and they're, they're. you know they're raw. Their best football is still ahead of them. And then there's other guys that are, you know, they're kind of tapped out. They are what they are. That's not that's not a bad thing. You know, there's certain guys that you know they they project as backup level players in the NFL and guys that can play for 10 years as you know a good special teams player and a backup. But if he goes back for another year of college, he's not really helping his draft stock at all. Like he was going to be a fourth rounder this year because of some sort of physical limitation. Why the league feels like he has a ceiling. Or if he goes back next year, he'll be a fourth rounder. So the players need help. Like if we're going to be in this whole extra COVID year, NIL money, draft thing, like I saw a lot of players making some decisions that from a football perspective, and again, I don't care. The senior bowl, like we got the players we wanted to get. So it's more about the depth of the draft for the teams and more about the player themselves. Some players weren't making great football decisions just because they could go back and make like $100,000 but if you're if if you go to the NFL as a fifth round draft pick and you make the roster with your signing money, you're making like a million and a half. So like I'm not a math guy, but like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like so, I don't know, man. I'm I'm getting long winded on you, but it really was a it was a convoluted process. It was a for a player's, I'm sure it was a really tricky process. You know, you have your coaches asking you to come back, and you got nil money people coming at you, and you know it's so it's a lot for these players to navigate. Man, I, I feel for them. So
0: that's an interesting transition into talking about the OU guys and what you just laid out, Jim, it's kind of exactly what Dylan Gabriel talked about when he said he's going to go back to college for another year. Now he ends up at Oregon, but is that the perfect example of a guy that looked at the situation, didn't have an invite to the senior bowl from you guys and said, Hey, maybe, maybe the best decision for me is to go back to college for another year. I That's, that's kind of the first example that popped into my head as you were laying that out.
2: And Dylan was one of the guys that they, he mentioned it. He said, he's like, I didn't get a senior bowl invite. Um, And again, Dylan Gabriel's we had a great year, man. Like it's no slight. We, we take a lot of backlash on social media. Like Dylan Gabriel had a great year for Oklahoma. It doesn't, you know, it But again, being a great college player doesn't, and this isn't even to Dylan, but like, I think sometimes fans don't understand like the difference between being a really good college player and being an NFL player. I mean, you guys have done it. It's just a, it's two different things, right? I mean, you can be a great college player and not be a great pro prospect. I mean, that's, and again, that's, I'm not talking about Dylan right now. Oh, I'm
0: a, I'm a perfect example of that. (laughs) That's
2: (laughs) me, man. It's it's fine. (laughs) You're not insulting me. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look at all the stuff behind your wall, man. I got none of that. So <laughs> I mean, shoot. Uh, but, but, but in Dylan's case, like the quarterbacks are a little different. Like there are, there is real money to be made in the quarterback market. I mean, I, I, I hear a lot of these numbers from the ages. I mean, these guys are making, you know, upwards North of, of seven figures. So uh, that's where it does make sense. Like if you were going to be a sixth or seventh round quarterback, but you could go back to college and make 2 million bucks at pick a school auburn or michigan or ohio state or florida like you're probably better off you're probably better off going to making that guaranteed money rather than if you're a sixth or seventh round draft pick quarterback you're rolling the dice usually those guys end up on practice squads. so um quarterbacks a little bit different for some of these other position players um i don't know it just seems like some of these guys went back and they're, they're taking way less money um Just because it's so new. They didn't have any former, they didn't have buddies. They didn't be like, hey, what did you do? Like, how did you handle this? Like, it's all new to these guys. So again, man, I I don't envy where they're at.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. And it's got to be weird too with, you know, the, the portal rules and the, uh, the COVID year. I mean, I'm, there's probably some players that are coming to the senior bowl, <laughs> maybe some of the older guys that you've ever seen there. And maybe those guys don't end up as the, as a senior bowl invite, but it's like the next couple of years. And maybe you can include last year. It's just the classes seem strange. They seem,
2: they see, they seem really strange. And it's, uh, it's hard to track. I mean, we were trying to add a player last night. I saw he put something on Twitter. He's coming out. He hadn't said that before, so uh, you know, you you call him and he's he's just had a labrum surgery. So he, you know, then then we had a DB fallout a couple of days ago. So you know, at this time of the year, we've got our board stacked and there's a clump on the board. Like the next guy's up. I take a screenshot of it. I send the picture to like fifteen of fifteen buddies around the NFL that are like director level guys that have access to all their grades and give me good, really good feedback. And uh, one of the guys that came back is like the top guy I called his, his college head coach. I'm like, where's, where's so-and-so at now? He's like, Oh man, he he injured his foot. He's coming back next year. He's coming back here. But none of the teams do it like NFL teams didn't know this guy's going back to college yet. So there is just like, man, this whole, the extra COVID year, it's there's just, it's gotten really murky, really messy. No one knows where these players are at, what they're playing. I mean, you're going to show up to the pro days, and there's going to be guys at pro day to work out and be like, "Man, I thought you were going back to school." Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a really kind of chaotic time in in the college football world. And again, not to like go on another tangent, but look, we just saw Nick Saban, you know, the the greatest head coach of all time. He basically retired because of it. It's just it's it's crazy right now. So, uh, yeah, man, lot lot lots going on.
0: Let's talk about. A couple of the OU guys. You've got two OU guys uh, yep. that are that are participating. Let's start with Tyler Guyton, man. This is a guy, I think a couple of years ago, I sent you something. Hey. <laughs> I remember. To, re- remember <laughs> this name, bud. And yeah. uh, just uh, how excited are you to get Guyton down a Mobile?
2: Oh, So fired up, man, just because I know what it's going to look like. And I know – the jump he's going to make, you know, in this draft process, um, you know, the word freak in the word, like words, like buzzwords, like people talk about generational talents. Now, like, man, that stuff wears me out, but, but Tyler Guyton is truly has some freaky stuff to him physically. You know, like there's only a handful of, you know, there's two or three freaks in every draft. Tyler Guyton's different now. Like you, you saw him before I did, you pointed him out before I saw him in mean, former tight end at TCU uh Sooners fans obviously know this guy but like when you put on the tape he he floats out there I mean he absolutely floats like everyone's talking about Olufoshanu from Penn State and Joe Walt from Notre Dame being the top two tackles in this year's draft and not sliding either of those players at all because they're not playing the senior bowl it says nothing to do with that those guys are great players they're going to be good pros but I think Tyler Guyton's got a higher ceiling than both of those guys I mean he he does things you can't coach he does things physically athletically in space you know, covering people up in pass protection, just dancing with them that those other two guys can't do. Um, now, you could make the argument those two guys might be a little more pro ready. They've logged a lot more starts in college football than Tyler has because, you know, he was log in behind um, Anton Harrison and, and Wanye last year. But uh, but his you talk about best football ahead of him. The guy he reminded me of when I did him and, and scouts like to do this and I don't like to do it unless it's really like a spot on everything lines up body type, athleticism, play style, all the things is Tyron Smith. Um, You know, the former USC tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this guy, because Tyron played right tackle at USC as well. He was not a left tackle in college, even though he was so athletic, similar to similar to Guyton. Um, And we've, we've seen what Tyron Smith has done. That's the guy when I started watching him. So I'm excited to get him here again. I think he's just going to, You know, this is going to be the start of the Tyler Guyton um, pre-draft process uh, ascension. So, uh, you know, if he ends up in that, I'd be surprised if he didn't end up in the top 10 uh, when this whole thing's said and
1: done. It feels like tackle is a position where, you know, if you've got a guy that's maybe not as polished, is transitioning from like a tight end, but the measurables are there and the testing numbers are there, that teams are willing to take. I mean, it's not a flyer, but you're willing to risk with a really high pick the possible upside. And maybe there's not a whole lot of positions like that. No, and it's because they can
2: keep your quarterback healthy, right? I mean, look at look at the NFL this year with how many backups played. The number was whatever it was. We end up starting 60 quarterbacks in the NFL, 60 some quarterbacks. It's, it was crazy. Um But yeah, you're right. And and I think where all you have to do is look at another former Sooner Lane Johnson. I mean, look at, look at Lane. Uh, We just put him in our senior bowl hall of fame a couple summers ago and he talked about it. He's like, man, I, you know, his, his Juco background as a quarterback and goes there as a tight end and whatever he played defensive end for a couple of days in practice, whatever. I mean, he had this, this really cool, cool background, um, but he wasn't the finished product and he came to Mobile and that was the I was still with the Kansas City Chiefs. That was the the Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, um, you know, Lane Johnson draft. And those guys all ended up in the top four. Lane went fourth. And uh, coming into Mobile, all those guys were like, well, I would say this. I would say uh, Jokel w- was considered a top ten pick. But Eric Fisher and Lane Johnson were like late ones, early twos. And then uh, they come down here and have a great week. And so I think that – NY Lane is great, and you guys know this because I know you know Lane. Like he's he's made of the right stuff too. He's competitive. He's freaking nasty. He's tough. I mean, tough as hell. So you know the league is going to try to figure out if Tyler has those things. You know that's that's what made Lane a great player, a perennial All Pro. Um, Tyler's got the physical stuff. You can see that on the tape. What they're going to drill down on here in Mobile and the rest of the process is how he's wired. And if he's wired right, there's no reason the guy shouldn't be an All Pro.
0: I'm with you and my conversations with Tyler over the last couple of years, uh, I, I think he wants to be great. And like you mentioned, Nags, I think that's a, that's a big part of this whole thing. Now the other sooner you'll have down a mobile is Andrew Rame. What, what did you think of Rame as you evaluated the
2: tape? He is like your, your, just your classic center. You know, like he's not. Uh, and I didn't go to the I didn't go to uh, mass line Ola, Ola oil masterminds with Duke Manaweather over the summer. But uh, our DFO did. And uh, he, he met Andrew there and uh, loved the guy. But he, he said he's like, Jim, Now he doesn't feel real big when you get up on him. You know, so that's probably going to make him a center only at the next level. But when you talk about not having a ton of position versatility, they better be a starter. Um, and I think Andrew Rame going to be a starting center. I do. I think, I mean, you, you, you know better than I, way better than I do. But, I mean, you can play a long time in the NFL at that position if, if you have high-end makeup stuff, you know, smarts, you know, toughness, competitiveness, dependability, understanding the game. You know, not just smarts like helping the quarterback out and setting protections and doing all that stuff, but, like, just knowing how to play, the, the spatial awareness, the timing. Um, he's got all that stuff. And uh, he was trained by, I mean, Bill Biedenbaugh's unbelievable. We've talked about it on the show before. What a great job Bill does. Did an unbelievable job with Walter Rouse this year. I don't know if you were going to ask me about Walter, but um, Bill did an yeah, awesome I'm gonna ask,
0: job. Yeah, I'm going to ask you why you didn't invite him. You know that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Bill did an awesome job with Walter Rouse, getting him from what he looked like on Stanford tape um, to what he looked like on Sooner tape this fall. So, so yeah, man, we're, ex- we're excited to get Andrew here. Those guys will be on the same squad. They'll be on the American squad with uh, – all the other sec guys it's basically the sec versus the world this year on that uh american team versus the national so uh it should be a lot of fun
1: Now, uh what was the story with rouse how'd that whole situation unfold yeah he was
2: yeah that's a great question he was one of those guys that uh you know we, we certainly liked enough to invite to the senior bowl i mean he, he he deserves to be here again this is a this is a i'll say this i can't speak to games before the senior bowl um, I was in the league at that point, but I can just speak to the last five years. This is the best offensive line crew we're going to have. And, and we had five first rounders my first year here. So that's, that's saying a lot. This is a really deep group. Um, it was, it was the hardest cut we've ever had to make. Um, and we, you know, we have an arrangement, you know, the league office, uh, makes us do like a gentleman's agreement with, uh, another one of the all-star games that we won't take any other players after a certain date. And, uh, you know, when we, we had a couple low line spots open up, cause we didn't, we got like three really good juniors on the on the offensive line. There was a couple more we we held spots for that we were hoping to get that we didn't get. So then we wanted to circle back to some of the seniors, and at that point, Walter Ross was committed to playing another game, and and we would have loved to have him, but that is what it is. That's that's kind of the the structure that we're put into.
0: As the guy that played in the Shrine Game and the Senior bull, that's going to make Walter really sad when he hears that. <laughs>
2: But it is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. It's fine. It'll well. It'll... I, I think he. I think he knows, Gabe, because his agent, his agent was furious about it when I told him that we couldn't. When <laughs> I, I told him we wanted him, but we we couldn't go get him. Uh, the agent was not happy.
0: I I can only imagine. Now, uh, one more you guy I want to ask you about, and I understand the the NFL. It's it's a traits league, right? It is a you know high length speed like all that stuff but we we love drake stoops we love drake stoops i know he was a guy that you guys had your eye on how how close was he to getting an invite you mentioned you had held a lot of spots at the wide receiver position he, j- he just had such a great year i was hoping that he would somehow be able to make it in but it, it just didn't happen that way
2: no it, it didn't that's another it's uh, i mean you asked about, I mean, Walter Rouse and Drake, those two are probably the two deepest positions in the draft, the overall draft class in, in our game as well. Um, it's just wide receivers are really tough not to crack when you're only bringing, you know, 14, 15, I think we might be at 16 now, but somewhere in that, you know, that 15 ish wide receivers in the entire country. I mean, think about how schools are throwing the ball around right now. And every school's got, you know, two kids that catch at least 60 balls now on every offense. So, that that's really a hard position. And, and Drake did have a great year. I talked to some guys that this got the Southwest, you know, I hit them up about, um, you know, just, just the player and the person um, really more so the person, because we don't, you know, we don't have the budget to be in schools every day. Like I, we're at games every Saturday, but we're not in the building every day. Like the, the teams are. Um, and it sounds like he's unbelievable. I saw the one interview. Um, I want to say it was, he was being asked about whether he was going to play in a bowl game or not. And uh, it was one of the coolest answers I've heard a player give and just his love for that team. And um, I mean, I want to invite him just based off that interview, because obviously he's, he's the kind of dude that you want to build a team with. So um, he'll get his chance with with an NFL team. We would have loved to have him here, but um, he just kind of, kind of fell below the line.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite thing to watch whenever you're there throughout the week uh, of practice and gearing up for the game. And I, you know, I always think about the O-line, D-line one-on-ones and the receiver one-on-ones. It's like there's a massive amount of money changing hands, and I don't even <laughs> think that they recognize it at the time. So it's always cool to see those battles. Is, is, is that kind of what gets everyone going down there? Yeah, I think I
2: think they're the most popular. And, again, you don't have to – and this is no knock on the average fan. I mean, they're, I love that people love football, right? And I love that people love watching the Senior Bowl. But, you know, they're, you know not a lot of people can watch – 11 on 11 and know exactly what's going on with coverages and protections and things of that nature, but everybody can watch two guys go one-on-one and know who the winner and loser is, right? Like it's, it's pretty defined. We know who, there's not many stalemates in the one-on-ones we know who won and who lost. And I think that's what, that's what fans love. I actually, when I was doing some stuff at ESPN for a few years, I pitched them on that. I'm like, why don't you do a senior bowl one-on-one special, like an hour long special at the end of the week and just put together because Fans love that. They know who won. They know who won those battles. Um, so those are a lot of fun. And Then I'd say behind the scenes, I love seeing just the interaction with the players from the different schools. Um, I mean, just the bonds that are formed throughout the week and, and by the time these guys leave Mobile. And um, that's that's just a lot of fun. You know, you get guys that are part of certain rivalries that have played against each other. And um, I, I'll share this story real quickly. A few years ago, we had two guys in the game, a Michigan guy, Ben Bredesen, Uh, who went in the fourth round to the the Ravens, and then uh, Jonah Jackson, who went in the third round to the Lions from Ohio State. And uh, after the game that night, we were all up eating dinner, um, grabbing some food at the hotel. And I saw this this Michigan t-shirt on. It said Bredesen on the back. And I went up and grabbed him by the shoulders. I'm like, you know, great game, Ben. And he turns around. It was Jonah Jackson. So you got this Ohio State guy we're in this Michigan guys t shirt. Like, no one would ever think that would happen. But, uh, and those two got tight over the course of the week. They were like inseparable. So that's, that's just kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff I love.
0: That's, that's awesome. Now, you were a scout for a really long time. And I, I know that you still love grinding the tape. And I know you've got a lot of guys coming to Mobile, but what is a guy or two where, you turned on the tape, and after a couple plays, you just turned to your staff and you went, Yep, invite that guy. And, like it was just an absolute no brainer right away.
2: Oh, I mean, <laughs> Guyton, Guyton's definitely one of them. Um, and the thing, that's the thing with this job, man. Like you don't have to sit there and wear out the tape on guy like Aiden Hutchinson a couple years ago. Like we, we watched Aiden Hutchinson in the summer. And I don't even know if I watched any Aiden Hutchinson senior tape. Like, he was good. At, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're, just, we're not looking at draft players. They, they just need to be good enough to come to the senior bowl. So that was an easy one. Tyler Guyton's an easy one. Um, you know, I would say I'm trying to think of guys that, like, I'm looking forward to seeing that were, that were McKinley Jackson. I'm trying to think of, like, some obscure names that people might. Like, McKinley Jackson's a D tackle from Texas AM. and uh, He's from up the road in Loosedale, Mississippi. It's only about 40 minutes from here. There is a big all-star game. I know that Oklahoma has, in Texas, they have big all-star games in high school too. But the big one over here is like Mississippi against Alabama. It's a huge high school all-star game. And uh, the guys guys in the media down here that go to that game every year, McKinley Jackson won the MVP of the game from his nose tackle spot. Like this guy is so explosive. When we put on the junior tape over the summer, he had missed like five games last year as a junior. And I put on the Alabama game. Alabama couldn't block this dude. Could not block him. Super explosive, um, disruptive, just creating havoc. So like in the summertime, I'm thinking we might not be able to get this guy. You know, like he might be one of those guys that's a slam dunk, top ten, top fifteen pick, and he doesn't think he needs a senior bowl. So I was like worried it was going to be that. Um, But they just played him a little differently there than we'll probably. You know, he's more of a shade in my opinion. Like he was playing a zero tech at at Texas A&M for the most part. So we're going to get him, we're going to get him on, you know, shaded on the center at a three and and, and a one, a one at the one and a three and let him just get rip up field and be explosive. So he's a guy I'm really excited to see. But like tools wise, he jumped off the tape to me. He was an easy one.
1: You have any favorite kind of success stories? Maybe a guy that was down the list a little bit and maybe a couple guys backed out, a late ad. Maybe you guys had had a discussion whether or not he should be there or not shows up, balls, gets drafted, goes on to have great success? Yeah, I'll give you a couple
2: um, quickly. One was Christian Watson, the receiver from the Green Bay Packers, you know, had a monster rookie year last year. Um, This year went through some injury stuff, but, um, you know, part of our process, you and I, we've all talked about it. Like we, our scouts, you know, go out and scout. We put our board together. Once we feel good about it around, around Halloween time, that's when we hop on calls with teams, and we, they last like three hours. And we're on the we're on these calls. We're going position by position, just sharing grades and sharing notes. And I, you know, this game is for the teams, not for us. So I I want to bring the players. The NFL wants to see, but I also want to have us do our own work. So we're not just like fishing grades from teams. But uh, but anyway, Christian Watson was like a fourth or fifth round pick for everybody, and he had he had hands issues at North Dakota State. Like you knew he was fast and fluid and long and big. But he struggled catching it, and so um, that's a big deal at receiver, right? Guys that that struggle catching the ball, and we brought him down here to Mobile. He's one of the last. I think he might have been the last receiver we took two years ago, and uh, ended up being the 34th pick in the draft. I mean, the speed, the speed, the speed showed up at the FCS level. I remember going up to Northern Iowa and talking to their head coach. They had been there a long, long time back to when Randy Moss was at Marshall, and Marshall was in FCS school. He said, "He's like Jim. Did you invite the North Dakota State receiver?" Yeah, I said, "No, we haven't yet." He goes, "He's the fastest FCS kid I've seen since Randy Moss." And then we got we got Christian down here, and that showed up. I mean, he looked he looked different. And then I just talking about an offensive lineman. Um, the COVID year was a crazy year. We had our game. Um, we we're you know kind of the only thing in the draft process that year. They didn't even have the combine. There was a kid at Wisconsin Whitewater, Quinn Miners. Who uh, was training with Duke Manuweather in Dallas? You know they canceled the Division Three season. This kid's from Wisconsin Whitewater. They canceled the season at that level for all schools. He goes down to to Duke and he's training with. Uh, oh man, I'm I'm blanking on his name. First round pick. San Diego Chargers went to Northwestern.
0: Um, oh, Slay Slay. Left Slater. Tackle. Slater.
2: Slater. Yeah. So he and Slater are training at Duke's together. And uh, to his credit, his agent was sending me pictures of those two guys training at Duke side by side. Like what one would one would get out on a pole, the next guy would get out on a pole. And I loved Slater, Sean Slater. I loved Rayshawn Slater. He was our top-rated offensive lineman in that draft. It was like him and Pene Sewell. And, uh, you know, the more he sent me these videos, I'm like, man, like this looks pretty close. Like these two guys aren't that different. Um, and, again, when we got on the calls with the teams that year, everyone was like, some seventh round, but mostly everyone had free agent grades on them. I mean, if you're an NFL scout and you put a draftable grade on a D3 player, you are putting your you-know-what's on the table for that guy. I mean, that is that is a hefty grade for Division three football to say he's going to be in the NFL. But that was the one time we kind of went against what the league, where the league had a guy graded. I'd been watching these little highlight videos of, of practices, of uh, workout sessions. So we brought him. And it was the rest was history. He was the kind of the talk of the senior Bowl. His belly was hanging out all week and he, but he dominated and, and and Quinn went in the third round of the Denver Broncos. And now he's one of the best guards in football. So um those are, those are a couple, man. Sorry. I got, I probably got really long winded. Oh, those. those are good.
0: Last one. And we'll let you get out of here, Jim. The alma mater won it all. How you feeling? <laughs> it, it had to be a good feeling.
2: Your Wolverines got it done. Well, it, I'll say a couple things. Twenty-six years is a long time. They actually, I graduated '96. They won it the next year. Um, living here in Alabama for as long as I've been, and watching all these Tide national championships, it made it probably a little bit sweeter. Uh, I was, I was just fearful if Michigan lost to Alabama, I would have never heard the end of it from like, from like our my bosses, the people I work with. So I was glad we got that one out of the way. But I am, I was just happy for those players. I mean, I, I, I always go back to the players and. That was a rough year, man. I mean, your your coach isn't on the sidelines. You got you got fans and media speculating on whether your wins are legit and if you're stealing signs and they're trying to downplay like the team you are. And to see that group like come together, like they those players didn't even want us to announce their senior bowl invites till after they were done playing this year. So we we announced them as a group, like all eight of them. They got the most guys in the game. And uh so it was cool for those players, man. I mean, to, to play. Up until the this, this sign stealing thing, then then they had then they had to play Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa in the Big Ten championship, and then the two CFP games. So I'm just uh, that was cool. Happy for those guys.
0: Jim, we always appreciate the time, man. I I love that this has become an annual visit. Uh, I know you're a very busy man, but I appreciate you, brother. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. Love love hopping on and uh, appreciate you guys promoting the game, supporting the game.
0: Nagy's got a lot on his plate, man. There, there's so many, uh, there's so many moving parts with that game. Now it's crazy.
1: Yeah, you think that the roster just it's all nice and clean. Everyone gets invited at the same time. Everyone shows up. No big deal. But it's a shuffling all the way up to the last moment. That's pretty, uh, pretty interesting.
0: I would like to point something out. Tyler Guyton, invite Andrew Rame, invite. And you heard him, and Walter Rouse is going to be upset, but Mm -hmm. he was going to get invited. Uh, There's been some chatter about Bill Beanbow the last couple months. I'm here to tell you, people, having three of your guys invited to the Senior Bowl ain't too shabby, okay?
1: Yep. Just saying. There's a premium on Bill Beanbow, coached offensive lineman in the NFL. There's no doubt about it.
0: Just staying off my guy's back. <laughs> Let's get to the Q&A, man. I'm fired up for this one. We got a lot of great questions. But first...
1: All you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strips, sirloin, steak burgers. They got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S. and Oklahomans get it delivered in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O-line and D-line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch. Tradition tastes better.
0: And head to the garage for hand smashed patties, butter, toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Q&A. Question one comes from Cooper Simon. Thanks for the question, Cooper. This is a good one. Who is your favorite OU player before your time? favorite OU player after your time and most underrated OU player during your time.
1: Mm. Um, favorite OU player before my time, Joe Washington, uh, love Joe Washington, love his highlights. Uh, always love to think about like, what he would look like in some of these newer offenses and, Get that dude out in some space is just absolutely incredible before his time. Um, Favorite OU player after your time, two of them, Blake Bell and Drake Stoops. Those two are tied. And those are my three favorite Sooners of all time. Uh, That's my short list. Everyone knows that. But Blake Bell and Drake Stoops, the reasons for those two guys are totally obvious. Everyone knows. Awesome guys. Uh, Most underrated OU player during your time. I, this may sound weird, because he was a first-round draft pick, but it's Andre Wolfolk. You have a guy that was—he like, doesn't get talked a lot about like that era of players, and I mean, I—I I guess I can understand why. You got Roy Williams, you got a bunch of like really well-known guys, um, but Andre Wolfolk was like. May, I think it was probably the leading receiver on the 2000 National Championship team. And to take a leading receiver, pluck him off the offense, put him on defense uh, and becomes a first round corner and probably the best special teams player during that entire period. I was on all of the special teams phases, block kicks, block punts, um, just an incredible all around athlete. Andre Wolfel.
0: Okay, those are all fantastic answers. Favorite OU player before my time, easy, Trent Smith. And there's a story. There's a story. We played Clinton, I think it was seventh grade. We went to Clinton and played them. And I actually believe I forgot my cleats and my brother had to drive them out to Clinton. By the way, that was shout out to my brother, Ben. But ended up getting the cleats. And I was playing tight end in seventh grade. I wanted to play quarterback. They wouldn't let me play quarterback for whatever reason. But I was playing tight end. Had a good game. said, And I will never forget it. One of the Clinton coaches came up to me after the game. This was, what, 2004? And said son, you're the best young tight end I've seen since Trent Smith. Trent Ah, Smith was a Clinton guy. Nice. And that meant a lot to me at the time because I think Trent was the 2003 draft. Yep. If my, if my memory serves me correctly. That's right. So that was like a big boost for me as a young football player. I I knew I was good at it, but it was one of those where it was like, damn. Trent Smith is from Clinton. The Clinton coach said that, and I was I was fired up.
1: That's pretty cool. I like and, that. Stuff. But That's I was cool. I was
0: Trent Smith guy before that moment. But that just kind of I don't know. It 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 just made me a bit even bigger fan. He got drafted to what Baltimore, and I was following him yeah. and his his NFL career. But I was a big Trent Smith guy. A uh, favorite OU player after your time. It's easy. Baker Mayfield. That's. I I would have given anything to play with him. Yeah. It, it just... And it was because of how he was as a leader, but just the plays he could make. <laughs> I mean, it was wildly entertaining. I just... I think he's the most loved OU player of all time. And it's just... It's hard not to have him at the top of the list.
1: I know it's the easy answer, but... I- I've said it a million times. I, I've i been to a bunch of big football games, been a part of a bunch of big football games. I've never at any level seen one guy in a stadium have 80,000, 100,000, it doesn't matter. Everyone is watching him the entire time. Whenever their offense is out there, whenever the defense is out there, whenever they're warming up, post-game, the entire place just follows Baker Mayfield around how entertaining he is. It's it's unbelievable.
0: I, It's just the easy answer. And then the most underrated player during my time, a, a lot of guys come to mind, but I thought Tony Jefferson was just so good. And the hardest I've ever been hit in my football career was being hit by Tony Jefferson. I was just like, not doing that again.
1: That's not a shock. I think both Tony Jefferson and Kenny Stills, um, that you play with, are massively underrated. I was.
0: I don't know why I felt personally attacked when Tony Jefferson went undrafted.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and I was. I wasn't mad with Tony and Kenny because they left early, right? Really could have used them, my senior year. Really could have used them. So uh, there was, <laughs> I I wasn't outwardly angrily uh, angry with him, but inside I was like, oh, that would they would really help me have a great last season. But I just remember thinking it was the craziest thing ever that he wasn't drafted. I didn't yeah. care what he ran in the forty. The dude, you know a football player when you see one.
1: And yep. that dude could
0: play football.
1: Put a really nice NFL career together too.
0: Made him made himself some good money. And this is going to sound strange. I still think Ryan Broyles is underrated. Yeah. I I don't know I don't know how to explain it to people that guy was just so good. Mm-hmm. He was so good and by the way, he was so strong. People do not realize how strong he was. He didn't look strong, but he was strong and just had this sense of, he had this incredible sense of space and zone coverage, Yeah, where where to sit down, where to throttle down, like finding the holes. It just, he was awesome. And his name doesn't come up nearly enough when you're talking about the best players in OU history. He would, dude, he was so damn good.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and he had a good, he had a great style to him too. Like uh, you could see a lot of guys like the way they run, and uh, you instantly know who they are when you see him on film. Doesn't even matter what number they're wearing. He's one of those guys. It's pretty cool.
0: Demontre Hurst also on that most underrated list. Yeah, Demontre, it, just not not someone that people talk about, but was just he was he was pretty dang consistent. The speed and also. One of the most likable dudes ever, which is always a good. So I, I've i got a lot of underrated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of guys on the underrated list. But yeah, good question, Cooper Simon. Moving on. Yeah. This one comes from at Todd KS1, who says, what's the most challenging thing episode to episode of getting it finished? Hmm. Is there Uh, anything
1: challenging? I feel uh, like we we are in a pretty good workflow. It's a pretty good workflow, I guess. Like if there's anything that's challenging, I guess sometimes it's scheduling and when to record. A lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff going on, but that's really not that difficult. So that's pretty easy. Knock on wood.
0: I it's gone it. It helps it is simply a two-man operation. So for yeah. anyone that doesn't know, a little uh look behind the curtain. No one else helps us with this. <laughs> You're looking at people. I say, hey, th- can I talk to your producer? Yeah. Talk to talk to me <laughs> and Ted. Can I talk to your marketing department? Yeah, right here. <laughs> You're editing people. Yeah. Talk to us. What do you what do you need? We got you. That's This is a two-man operation, which can make it difficult, I guess, at times that we don't have a bunch of stuff, a bunch of people doing stuff for us, but it also keeps it very, very simple because we don't have to worry about anyone else.
1: Simple. We got a format that we stick to that's pretty straightforward, and hey, since we've started, it's Pretty much been a non stop flow of content from OU, so (laughs) that has helped a lot. That has been we haven't had any dry spells of content.
0: Uh, just a reminder, we started this during April of 2020. Yeah, the absolute worst time to start a sports podcast, (laughs) they weren't playing sports, but it was, it's worked out. So, as far as challenges most challenging thing is once the season ends, where the hell is my wife going to have me to where we, <laughs> <laughs> Right. that's, that's basically the most challenging thing is doing it while, while traveling. That's about it.
1: Podcast. That's about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just sometimes you got to hope that the Wi-Fi gods are smiling on you. So I, other than that, great question, but I'd like to think we're uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this, and the the challenges are minimal.
1: Yeah, it's an underwhelming answer when there's not a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes that you've got to. All of the magic
0: this and quick, yeah, and, and it's not. Let's just be real we're we're not winning any any awards for production value on right. here.
1: Uh, no one's no one's listening for production value. Wrong podcast.
0: Yeah, well we we try to make the content good that's that's what we try that's sure. what we're uh, that's what we're banking on okay next question this comes from at ou dna guy what cut of steak are we ordering and how done are we getting it
1: easiest answer ever porterhouse medium now a lot of places don't have that if they don't have that belay medium rare
0: are you going to tell the porterhouse story from the bowl game
1: <laughs> oh down in uh 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 where was that orlando
0: yeah i think yeah, you should tell that story
1: was the steakhouse we went to i don't know it was just i think we just it was found it one. on it's really nice yeah we found it on yelp yeah i had an argument with the with the waiter about the steak i ordered a porterhouse he brought it out and i said that's not a porterhouse that's a t-bone oh yeah it is no no it's not that's <laughs> not which you know i'm i'm not wrong right like you were you were not wrong
0: the the guy did not realize who he was entering the <clears throat> the discussion with it wasn't an argument you you were very calm you were not hostile in any way you basically were just teaching him like Like, no no no, let me tell you about that let me tell you what a porterhouse is (laughs) i think you even pulled out pictures on your phone and said no this is what a porterhouse looks like
1: yeah yeah and hey you know what it's not his fault he just brought out what they cooked him in the back but that's the best that's what i go with um if they don't have that filet medium rare nothing special Maybe uh, maybe Pittsburgh style every now and then with a little extra sear, but pretty straightforward.
0: I'm with you. I am. This is not an exciting answer. I'm sorry, OU DNA guy. I am the biggest filet they've got on the menu. And depending on the day and depending on the steakhouse, like if you're somewhere really, really nice in the state of Oklahoma, if you order medium, you're probably getting something closer to medium rare. Correct. So I, if, if I'm in Oklahoma, I'm going biggest play they have on the menu medium. Yeah. Now, if I'm
1: out of the state,
0: if I'm out of state, I I like the, I like the warm pink center. I'm not looking for a ton of red, if that makes sense.
1: I feel like there's there's like this uh this built up pressure to order your steak. Like, who's the guy that's going to order it the rarest at the table?
0: Yeah, why uh, is that a thing?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But I like if it's a good cut of steak. To me, if it's cooked medium, perfect, no problem. And like if you're getting like a T-bone or a porterhouse or something like that take it the stage up from where you typically order it because of the bone. So pretty, pretty easy guidelines for me. It's always worked.
0: I like it. All right. we got a couple more questions we got to get to.
1: But first. Elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment. Oklahoma City Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top of the line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. Oklahoma owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405 495 1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C H A P P E L L Supply.com.
0: And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com.
1: And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's opolisclothing.com, O-P-O-L-I-S, clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off.
0: This question comes from at jaeger 11 robert My guess is that human's name is Robert Yeager. (laughs) Maybe not. I like this one. He says, who, what, and why? Who was your biggest supporter growing up? What is your definition of success? Why the game of football? There's a lot to unpack there, man.
1: (gasps) Who was your biggest supporter growing up? Um, I... (sighs) outside of just saying my family, my parents, um, they were unbelievable. Uh, The things they had to juggle and balance and all of that. I I feel like that's just such a a, a easy answer. You know what I would say? Um, I had an amazing group of friends growing up. You know, Fort Gibson was not, very good at sports really not good at football bad historically horrible at football and we had a group of friends that i mean there was eight of us or so we basically started like one of our friend's dad basically started putting us through a legit strength and conditioning program like in the sixth or seventh grade and it continued like all the way through and that core group of guys stayed together, played together, I mean, lived together. Basically, I, to me, that that really made me more competitive. Um, made me kind of fall in love with the off season of football, like the strength and conditioning part of football, which ended up being you know a, a huge factor. So, I I think I would say. That group of friends. Um, definition of success is this athletically? Is this life? Is I this, I don't know. Um, I think that the definition of success is it's simple, it's happiness, and and that comes to people in a bunch of different ways. Maybe that's financial freedom. Um, maybe that's um, where you are with your family maybe it's the you've been able to get your dream home whatever that is but to me it's happiness um if you can do what you want and at the end of the day feel fulfilled like to me that's everything and it doesn't matter if it's sports if it's like, whatever occupation that may be, if you can wake up every day and do what you want, like, to me, that's success. Because, and it, you know, that's not the only definition, but like, to me, that is the ultimate that we strive for, right? Is to do what we want and get paid for it.
0: I think, I think that's a great way of framing it. One of, as far as the definition of success for me, and I don't know if this is a strange way to view it, but I always view things as like, if I, if I put as much effort as I can into something, I can kind of just live with the result.
1: And be able to walk away from it and say, I did my best at whatever this is, like whatever happens with it.
2: And,
0: and that's like, like my football career, my NFL career. Did it go the way that I wanted to? Would I define it as a success? I don't know, but I felt like I gave it my best shot. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's where, yeah, I think the definition of success for me now is much different than it was before I had kids. I yeah. think now for me, it is my definition of success has shifted from, you know, being an NFL player to now I feel my purpose has shifted to like being a good dad and husband.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting how your life transitions from one to the other. Now I still want, I I want our podcast to continue to be the most popular podcast here in the state of Oklahoma. That was the goal when we started it. We've accomplished that goal. I have zero intentions of giving that up and we're going to continue. And I, like I viewed what we're doing here as successful, but I want to continue to Grow our listenership and like all those things, but as far as success for me personally, I I feel like it's just my success is going to be it's going to be measured by how happy my kids are. Yeah, and like how they feel about me. Like I I will feel successful as if. We got two kids now. Who knows how many we're going to have. But if those kids, if if my two kids are like, you know what? I, I, I love my dad. And like my, uh, like I, I, my dad's great. My dad's the best. Like that is what, that's what I will view as success. And obviously the same conversation for my wife. Like he's a great husband. He's a great father there's been this shift in my life since we've had children where, yeah, I want to be successful in radio and podcasting and that stuff. But I don't know, just when kids come into play, just your, yeah, your, pers- your whole, yeah, your whole view on life just kind of shifts. Yeah. Or at least it has for me.
1: No, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. What, okay. So why the game of football I don't that's interesting. I guess like I,
0: I know mine
1: I I was just good at it
0: at a young age and I was huge like I was a huge kid. and I loved basketball. I thought I was gonna be a basketball player loved it was very good at it at a young age. and then you kind of have this moment of realization start watching the NBA. You're looking around going, I'm probably not going to be 6'10 looking at my parents. Maybe football is where I will experience the most success. And I think at a young age, getting like being good at something, you just you you build confidence and it like builds your Mm self-esteem. And I don't know, just naturally happen. And I think being in the state of Oklahoma with OU football, is just such a big deal. I don't know. It just kind of (laughs) happens. Yeah. My parents certainly weren't going, Hey, go play football. We need you to, you need to go to college for free. Like that. I didn't have that type of pressure. It was just one of these things like, you want to do it. Okay. Go do it. Oh, you're pretty good at it. Oh, I'm pretty good at
1: it. And just kind
0: of went from there.
1: Yeah. uh, For me, I don't know. I played everything. Yeah, so did I. I played soccer, played baseball, played basketball, ran track, was on the swim team, did absolutely everything, but it was all just killing time until I got to play football. Um, I was maybe the best at baseball. Um, but there was something about the sport that, that I just, I remember watching TV and seeing guys on TV and just they looked badass um you know just I don't know there I was just immediately drawn to the sport and when all my friends started playing and my dad wouldn't let me play I cried and wailed like a little bitch for a long time I was not, it was like, I wasn't going to get over it forever, but I finally got over it. And the next year when my dad, dad let me play, I was just from that point on every other sport, the first time I played tackle football, every other sport just went like down to nothing. Like this is what I want to do. Now I still played everything, but I don't know if there's, there's something about it that you're you're just kind of uh, the physical nature of it, the the camaraderie of it. The, I to me it's the. I mean, it's I I don't I don't know. It's um. It's like legal battle is about the best way to explain it, and I don't know. Just immediately drawn to it from a very young age.
0: I I tell people this all the time. Why why, people say, why, why is football so popular in America? And one of the things my, my oldest son, when he was one, go act like you got hurt in front of a little kid and see how they respond. (laughs) They love it. Go like, pretend like you're running into something to just fall down and be like, Oh, for whatever reason, we are wired to love physical contact like that. I, I don't know why. And yeah. that's, I, I there's something about humans in general that love the physicality, like the collisions of football. It just, I, I'm not entirely, I cannot explain it to you scientifically, but every time I act like I was getting hurt, my son <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And he loves football already
1: so that's great
0: um i didn't answer the who's your biggest supporter growing up so outside the family like my my parents my brothers uh my grandmother i i would say and it's weird it's not weird but uh, my buddy nick coffee We were in the same grade and we grew up down the street from each other. And he ended up, we went to the same, same grade school, same high school. And he went to OU and he was, he was the only one I knew that was as competitive as I was. Was this the Grinch? No, not the Grinch.
1: okay. Okay.
0: Okay. No. This guy, he, he works in the DA's office now. Big brain guy. Went to law uh, school. Very smart. Now now fluent in Spanish. Just decided huh. to learn Spanish during COVID and is fluent in Spanish. Very smart, intelligent, awesome guy. But at a young age, and we were friends, but we also, like, we would do some weird, like, we would get angry when we lost. We'd play video games against each other and get mad. We once went Bowling. I remember this vividly. I don't know. We were 12, 13, whatever. We went bowling and I can't remember if I won or he won, but somehow my shoes ended up in the trash can. Like my actual shoe. Did we just, we were hyper competitive and he was a really good, he was a good basketball player when we were young and his dad coached our Christ, the King team. They'd take me to practice. I don't know. They, and he, loved, I'm just going to be real. He was like, one of the very few friends i had growing up and i don't know it, that that sense of competitiveness that we always had kind of in everything i think was important for me
1: isn't it funny how as kids when you're growing up like you can end the day like so mad at a friend over something like as dumb as like a bowling game or uh, video game, and then the next day, it's not. It's just like, hey, how's it going? Whatever you know, it's like that day's totally scrapped. There's nothing else that follows. It's pretty. It's funny. It is carried on.
0: All right, here's the last question we got. This comes from at Hunter underscore Teague, T i g h e Teague, Tege, to I don't know. tie I don't know. I'm trying Hunter. I try my best. <laughs> he asks, what's been your most meaningful memory from the time you began working on the radio broadcast until now? Huh. You've been doing it longer than I have, but I have, I have a couple that, that jump into my mind pretty quickly.
1: Wow <sighs> Most meaningful memory from the time you've been working on the radio broadcast till now, huh? I'm trying to think of how to take that. I, as, is it like the most exciting moment? Yeah,
0: meaningful's hard to. It's a tough work to unpack.
1: It is. Um, I. I. The. The run of OU Texas games that we've had has been incredible. And I I still think like the the best football game I've ever seen was the the twenty one OU Texas game. The comeback and all the crazy things that happened in that game. Um as far as like the most memorable broadcast and four and a half hours on air or however long that game was. I have to go with that. I mean that that was it was awesome. The broadcast was awesome. The crowd was awesome. Storming the field. Just everything that happened was that was an incredible experience. For radio that's that's as good as you can get. That's that's all you could ever ask for in a broadcast.
0: I I think mine's the same. I thought about the the 2019 Baylor game in Waco yeah. that comeback. That was awesome. But the, yeah, that OU Texas game 2021. And, and one of the reasons it's so meaningful is because of something that happened going into the locker room and then something that happened after the game. I, the first half did not go well, well documented, did not go well. <laughs> but Kennedy Brooks was walking by me. I was walking to the, to the ramp to just go to the bathroom and Kennedy Brooks was walking by me and I turned to him and I said, Hey, you guys can still win this game. And we started talking. It's like, Hey, that you're not going to play that bad. That that, that type of stuff isn't going to happen in the second half. Like you, you guys can win this game. You got to go in there and make those guys believe. And we were just chatting about it. And then the second half unfolds the way that it does and after the game, he comes up to me. He's like, you, yeah, "You, you told me, dog. You told me." I was like, "Yep, yep." And it was just—it awesome. was a cool—it was a cool moment, you know. But that—that is that one is—that one's hard to beat, man.
1: Yeah, that's in, that's incredible, incredible. I had everything you could ever imagine in a football game. We went through it post game. I can't even remember all the stuff. It was crazy. That was awesome
0: another fun Q and a session. Love them. And we got, we've got so many good questions to get through. We'll, we'll mix these in, uh, in the off season because we get, we, we just have a lot of fun doing them and it's, it's just a nice little change up for the podcast. On that note, episode 391, 400 rapidly approaches. We'll have a new podcast. that will drop Monday morning. Is that right? No. This is Sunday. It'll be Wednesday. It'll be Wednesday. I lied. (laughs) It'll be on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on the ref. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Until next time, I appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do,
3: Oklahoma. Take care of each other.